Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. My name is Harrison. I'm the pastor here at Kingdom Church. You are listening to part two of our series, Reimagine. Enjoy. It's going to take us where we're going to go this morning. It's found in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 35, it says this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages. I can preach there also. That is why I have come. I, uh, for those of you guys who are unaware of this, we rent, uh, we rent Victory Life Church here. Uh, they have services on Sunday. We rent here on Saturday. And uh, so what that means is uh, we don't have any permanent office space. And uh, for myself, what that means is I don't have a permanent spot in which I can do my work. And uh, I have a home office, but uh, I don't like to be at home every single day working on stuff. I like to switch things up. And any of you guys like to switch things up in life? And so I like to go to different places. I like to do different things. And uh, so one thing that I do is I always look for different places to work, different places I can, I can get things done, prepare my sermons. And uh, so I have places in St. Albert. I got places in Edmonton uh, that I like to go. This week specifically, uh, I ended up at a library uh, in Edmonton. And the library just happened to be named the 2014 Library of the Year. They have all the posters everywhere. It's a, fantastic, it's a fantastic library. And so I like to work there. I have a spot upstairs. It's my spot. No one else is allowed to go there. Um, it's by a window. It's got a fantastic view. And so I was there this week. And as I got there this week, uh, as, as I approached my, my, my spot, there was a lady sitting beside the spot that I usually sit in. And I noticed that she was on Skype talking with someone. And uh, I was not eavesdropping. I was just walking. But... Uh, as, as I walked by, I heard her speaking to someone, and she was like, and she was very animated um, as she was speaking, and, and she was like, no, we're friends, right? Like, we're friends, so I can, I can ask you something. And so again, I'm not eavesdropping. <laughs> I just decided, like, I got to put my bag away. I got to put my jacket away. I got, I got to figure out. I, see, I got to get my stuff set up before I work, and so if I hear something, I hear something. And so she's like, we're friends, right? Like, I, I can ask you something. Uh, I, I just want to let you know that right now I'm, I'm absolutely swamped. I'm swamped. I have three tests. I have two assignments. And I've done both my assignments. But, and, and I've studied for two of my tests. But there's just one test. There's one test that I, I haven't had any time to study for. And so she's like, you're a doctor. You're a doctor and you're my friend. And I'm not eavesdropping. And... And she's like, so like a lot of my friends, what they do, like when they, they feel overwhelmed, they, they get a doctor to write them a sick note. And, and if you do that, you can get your test deferred. And it's not a big deal. All my friends do it. So we're, we're friends. You, you could do that, right? And so I'm sitting there. At this point, I'm eavesdropping. <laughs> and I'm like, the audacity of this girl to ask that and to be so blunt in a public library where I can hear everything. And, and what she's really asking, she's like, she's like I, I want to, you to help me cheat. To, to, to get out of the test, and, and it was just, it wasn't really cheating, I should say, just to get out of the test, to, to lie is the better word. She's like, I need you to lie for me so I can get out of this test. And uh, she's on Skype, and she has headphones in, so I can't hear the answer that the doctor gives. But she's so animated, she repeats back everything the doctor says, and so I hear the doctor's response. And so the doctor, in essence, uh, 
he, he says, um, he says, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, I can't do that for you. I'm not going to do that for you. He's like, how about instead, like, I'm a doctor. Why don't, and I said he, I don't know if it was a he or she, uh, the doctor. He says, why don't you just come over tonight? Biology is my specialty. I'll help you. I'll help you study. And uh, when I heard that, I was like, yes, doc. I was like, yes. I was like, you don't let that girl cheat. Don't let her get away with it. I was like, yes. You did a good thing. And I was sitting there in that library, and I was sort of getting angry because I was like, you know, this lady, she really underscores the world that we live in right now. Everyone's trying to take shortcuts. I was like, no one wants to put in the full work. Everyone, and, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, a lot of us, we have ideals for where we like to be in life. We have places we would like to go. We would just goals for ourselves. But a lot of us aren't willing to put in the work that it takes to actually get there. And so I'm sitting there in the library. I'm, I'm disappointed in this lady. But number, I was also like, man, this lady's giving me the perfect sermon illustration. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to talk about her at church. I'm going to call her out. She's going to know that she should not have done that. <laughs> I keep listening. And uh, the lady, she, she, they, they say a few more things. And then she goes, thank you so much for your time. She's like, those were fantastic answers. Uh, we really look forward to, to working with you in the future. Thank you so much. And uh, I was kind of taken aback, and I was like, what's going on? Uh, at that point, I realized it was actually an interview, and uh, the whole situation was fabricated, and uh, she, it wasn't, she wasn't, she was, and I was thinking, like, this girl's really old to be doing her undergrad, because it turns out the lady in the library was a doctor, and she was interviewing uh, a potential, I don't know if it was a, a someone. It was, it was an interview, though, because she was a doctor, and the whole thing was fabricated. And at that point, I was like, I have to rethink things. I was like, I'm not sure this illustration will work. Uh, but it works in two fronts, because really what I want to talk about today is how do we get to the places we want to go. Uh, but also, we're in part two of our series, Reimagine. And uh, to reimagine means to rethink. It means to think about something in a new way, in a new light. And at the end of that conversation, I had to really rethink everything about that lady that I had previously thought. Uh, for those of you guys who are with us last week, we began our series, Reimagine. And uh, what we are doing is we are reimagining our picture of who Jesus is. What we said last week is a lot of us have a picture of Jesus. A lot of us have an idea about Jesus. But the question I wanted us to ask is, is our picture of Jesus, is our idea of Jesus a real and accurate picture of who Jesus actually is? And so we explored last week uh, from Mark. We're, we're, our whole series is found in the book of Mark. We're looking at Jesus through the lens uh, of a gospel called Mark. We learned last week that gospel means good news. And uh, we learned last week specifically what Jesus came to earth to do. Why did he come to earth and what did he do for us? And we learned three things that Jesus did for us specifically. If you missed last week's message, fantastic news is up online. You guys can check it out and you can catch up. Today... Uh, what I want to do this morning in part two of our series, I really want to look at Jesus' method for ministry. I want us to look at what Jesus did specifically while he was on earth. Because I believe this, Jesus is the most famous, Jesus is the most successful, Jesus is the coolest dude that ever lived on earth. And so I want to look at a few of the things that he did that made him special. You see, there's this idea that God and Jesus is God, and so because Jesus is God, we can't relate to him because he's God. But there's also this part of Jesus that we have to realize, although Jesus was fully God, he was also fully human. And so what that means is there's a part of his humanity that we can relate to. There's a part of his humanity that we can actually learn from. You see, Jesus' humanity, it helps him relate to us. So when we go through things, when we feel pain and discouragement, 
it's like Jesus has felt that. Jesus knows what that's like. But on the flip side, because Jesus also had this, this human part of him, it means that there is something that we can take from him and apply it to our lives. And that's what I want to do this morning uh, in part two of our series, Reimagine. So like I said, we are in the book of Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, if you guys brought a paper Bible, you're double blessed today because most people don't have Bibles on them. Uh, but if not, it's going to be on the screen behind you. But before we get to the verse, uh, I want to give you guys a little background on what's going on. Uh, we looked at last week, the first things that Jesus said as he rolled onto the scene. Where we are today, uh, Jesus has been ministering for a little bit here. And Jesus' popularity and his fame is growing. Like everywhere he goes, the crowds are following. People know Jesus. The Bible says he's healing people. He's casting out demons. And uh, he's doing just all of this amazing stuff. He's doing all these amazing things. But then Mark paints a, paints a picture of what happens next. And it's vastly different than Jesus in the public eye. It's vastly different than the people flocking to Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went out to a solitary place where he prayed. So, so just prior to this, Jesus has, has healed someone. Jesus is, is followed by these large crowds, and people know Jesus' name. They know who Jesus is. But what's interesting is that the very next thing that Mark says is the next day now, it says very early in the morning, Jesus went up, he got up, and he prayed. He got up, and he prayed. And, and it's interesting because if you think about it, you're like, why does Jesus need to pray? He's God. But there's a part of Jesus' humanity here that is coming forward, and there is a lesson for us to learn in his humanity. You see, I told you guys last week that the gospel of Mark is written in a hurry. So, so Mark has places to be, and so it's the shortest gospel, and he uses words like immediately, right away. And what I said last week is Mark's gospel completely uh, does not talk about baby Jesus. There's no baby Jesus. There's no teenage Jesus. Gospel of Mark starts when Jesus is 30 years old. But what's interesting is I, I don't really think a lot of us really dwell on, like, the childhood of Jesus. Most of us probably aren't thinking, like, what was Jesus like when he was eight years old? At least I don't. Maybe you guys do. But what's interesting, what I want us to see, is that although Mark is silent on the first 30 years of Jesus' life, that does not mean that nothing happened in those first 30 years. You see, what I want to see is, is, is Jesus comes onto the scene after 30 years, he does all of these amazing things, and yet he wakes up early in the morning and he prays. And so there's this pattern that, that, that the Bible is giving us. There's a pattern in Jesus' life, and the pattern is that Jesus' life was full of preparation. Before he ever spoke in public, before he ever healed anyone, he always prepared. And I believe for the first 30 years of Jesus' life, before he said a word in public, he, he was preparing. He was pr preparing, and, and so we're talking about success. What does it look like to be successful? What does it look like to get to the places that God wants us to go? Friends, I, I, I've said over and over again every single week, I believe that God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And a lot of us, we want to get to that plan. We want to get to that purpose. But what happens is we don't have any preparation in our life. And so the example that I want us to see from Jesus' life, Jesus got to this level of fame. He got to this level of prominence. But in Jesus' life, preparation always preceded prominence. Preparation always came before prominence. Before Jesus had any fame, before anyone knew who he was, before he did anything of importance, he was preparing. 
There's a reason he didn't step into the scene until he was 30 years old. It was because he was prepared. And what this means for our lives, I, I think it just helps us because a lot of us have a skewed idea of what it looks like to be successful. We have a skewed idea of what it looks like to, to make a difference in the world. You see, we live in the time now of the overnight success where people can just become successful overnight. And there's, there's probably no greater example of this than Justin Bieber. Um, I love the Biebs. He's a Christian now. Um, but in his life, if you guys know his story, he, he got posted onto YouTube uh, when YouTube was still in its infancy stage. Uh, some of you guys don't know life without YouTube. But he got posted and Usher found him and then like posted his stuff and he blew up. And people are like, man, Bieber was an overnight success. And uh, there's many stories just like that. And people have this idea that success is something that happens overnight. We can become famous overnight. We can do something of importance overnight. But the problem with that and what we don't realize is that that video that, that, that Justin posted onto YouTube, that's not like it was the first time he ever played an instrument. That wasn't the first time he ever sang. He was only 12 or 13 years old, but he had years and years of practice and preparation before he ever posted that video. And what I want us to see, because we live in this generation now, this, this microwave generation where it's like just pop it in, mid it in 30, you got the popcorn ready to go. We're hoping our lives will be the same. Just, it's going to take a second. I'm just, minute 30. We got the popcorn setting even. But that does not give us a true picture of success. And the beauty of who Jesus is, is, is he's God. And, and a lot of us think, well, he's God and, and he can just do things. But the, the picture that Mark paints us here is that Jesus, every single morning, and this is already after 30 years, every single morning before he did anything, he would take time to prepare. And his preparation was with God. It was with his father. That's what he did every single morning. And, and, and it's interesting, and, and the reason I think that we have this, this skewed picture is because we have social media. Social media, I love it. Like, I love the gram and but it gives us a skewed picture of reality. You see, there was a time, and, and, and some of you guys are old enough to remember this time where, like, in life, you could only compare yourself to people that you knew or people that you saw. But now, it's like you can compare yourself to anyone, to everyone. There's the saying, like, you know, like, when you leave high school, you're not going to see those people anymore. Uh, it's true. I don't see most of the people I went to high school with, but I got them all on Instagram. So I see everything they do still. Right, And so we're constantly just surrounded with pictures of people doing things, and we're just comparing our lives to theirs. And the problem with social media is it only paints a part of the, the picture. It shows people with their fancy cars and their big butts and, and their money and their house. It shows the prize, but it doesn't necessarily show the preparation. And so we have a skewed picture of what success looks like. And a lot of us, we get disappointed in our lives. Like, why isn't my life where it should be right now? Why isn't my business as successful as I thought it would be? Why am I not as far along in my walk with God as I wanted to be? But the reason is we're not putting any preparation in. We're not doing the hard work. We're not putting in the back work in order for us to reap the reward. So the question that God wants us to ask this morning is simple. What are you putting in? What are you putting in? What are you putting in? I, uh, I have a lot of injuries in, in life. Some are sports-related. Some just, I was born with them, I guess. I don't know what's happening. I have a lot of injuries. And uh, it's just, it's rough. You guys remember I was on this stool here two weeks ago because I hurt my foot. It's just bad things happen to me. It's the devil or something. 
but uh, one thing specifically is that I have uh, I have a lot of back problems. And uh, so last Saturday night, like we had church last week, just crushed it. Uh, I had a hockey game last Saturday, and I hurt my back. You guys are like, oh, what happened? Did you get hit? No, I literally like moved. I went like this, and like all of a sudden, like my back, like like I couldn't move, and I. It was like for no reason. Like it's one thing if I was like you were hit or like you, I literally just moved. And then my whole back seized up. And so Sunday, last Sunday, I was extremely, extremely angry at life. Because I was like, and this is my famous line, I was like, I don't deserve this. I was like, I don't deserve this kind of pain. Like I couldn't even bend over. I'm like, I'm like, I'm too young for this. I got a whole life in front of me. I don't even have kids yet. Like I, I'm not going to be able to bend down and pick up my own children. Then I'm like, Dad, what's wrong? I'm like, I, don't, I don't deserve this. And it's funny, like, I, I, if you guys know this, like, when we're in pain and we're hurting, like, we don't think clearly. Uh, just remember that for a second. Um, and so on Sunday, like, I was in pain and I, I wasn't thinking clearly. And so I was angry at life and I was mad and I was ticked off. But uh, as the week went on, thankfully I'm young enough to heal over a couple days. Um, I started to think clearly. And uh, I heard a voice in my head. I don't know if it was the voice of God or the voice of Christy, my wife. I think it was the voice of Christy, my wife. Um, but the voice essentially said, like, and I was just dwelling back on what happened on Sunday. And they were like, you have absolutely nothing to be mad about. And I was like, wow. <laughs> because you can't be mad because you never do anything to get your back better. You never do anything to make it better. You never do anything. Christy and I have this battle, uh, and her classic line is, and she has a heart. She, sometimes I tell stories. She's like, you're going to make it seem like I'm the worst person ever. If you guys know her, she's the best person ever, but she has a line. And uh, <laughs> she said, unless you call the doctor, I'm not going to feel bad for you. She's like, I'm not going to feel bad for you. We, we have a battle, though, because I'm like, Chris, can you just please call the doctor for me? That's just, I want her to, I don't know why. And I was reading statistics this week. The average men, man will only go to the doctor if they are literally dying. Uh, men go to the doctor on average only once every two years. Women are like every two weeks. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm faint. Like, we got to get this checked out. There was a time, like, it was at least like 10 years of my life, like, I didn't have a doctor. I was a nomad. Um, we had this battle, and, and I wanted to call, and, and, and the voice when I was thinking clearly, because like I said, when we're in pain and we're emotional, we can't think clearly. But when I was thinking clearly, the voice just said, you have absolutely no right to be angry because you're not doing anything about it. And what God wants us to ask today, because there's someone here who came here, you're disappointed with where you are in life. You're disappointed that your relationships aren't where you thought they would be, that your life is not where you thought it would be, that your walk with the Lord is not where you thought it would be. But the question that God is asking us is what are you putting in? What are you putting in? And the beauty of the life of Jesus is that even in Jesus' life, Jesus, who is God, he did not expect anything without first putting something in. And he renewed his spirit every morning. And, and what I love about the gospel of Mark, because he's in such a hurry, he's got places to go, he's got places to be, he put this little tidbit in. He, he snuck it in there between all the action, because Mark is like action, 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 immediately, immediately, immediately. But he, he snuck this thing in here, and I think he did it for us. Because he didn't want people to get a, a misconception about Jesus. Because Jesus still prepared. And, and a lot of times, like, when you read the Bible, it can seem like a highlight reel. 
right, of like people just doing great things and, and amazing things. And the problem with social media is that you are seeing everyone's highlights. You're not seeing their preparation. You're not seeing their work. Can I ask you guys a question? Uh, when was the last time you guys turned on the TV and watched the Oilers practice? Never. If you're taking notes, write this down. Practice isn't sexy. Preparation isn't sexy. Like, no one wants to see, like, your sweaty pics on social media. Like, like this is me. Like, my pits are disgusting. Uh, any person, like, social media that, like, they have sweaty pictures, like, they got a water bottle. Like, they're looking perfect. Like, their makeup's still good. It's like, oh, my gosh, crush the workout. I'll stop. Um, preparation isn't sexy, right? And so we don't realize that in order for us to get somewhere, in order for us to go to the places that we have to go, we have to put in the work. And so our life is not a highlight reel. Our life is hard work. It's putting something in. And so every single day, Jesus put something in. If you're take, taking notes and you're like, I don't know if I should write sexy in my notes. It's weird. Uh, write this one down. Uh, power comes in private. Power comes in private. Jesus is in private here. His whole life, it, it looked like it was in the public eye and it looked like his power came from the people. But Jesus' power actually came in, in private. And in our lives, our power is going to come in private. Our preparation is in private. No one's going to know what you did. People are going to see you one day. They're going to see your successes. They're going to see your walk with God and think you just got there, but they don't see the work that you put in in order for you to get there. But that's fine because power comes in private. People don't need to see our preparation. That's fine. That's just the world that we live in. But I don't want us to be confused to believe that things happen by themselves, that things happen by chance. And so Jesus is praying early in the morning, and then Simon Peter comes on the scene, and he says, he says, what are you doing? He says, Jesus, where have you been? He says, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. And so it's funny because I think even the disciples had this, this, this misunderstanding about Jesus. Even the disciples were like, why does Jesus need to go in private? Why does Jesus need to, to do all this? He's, he's Jesus. There's a crowd looking for you, and chances are in our lives, if we had the choice between a crowd and being in private, we'd probably choose the crowd. Like, say my name, say my name. But Jesus is in private, and Simon can't really believe it. And so what this shows us is that, that preparation always precedes prominence. It shows us that power is found in private, but what it also shows us is that Jesus was able to distinguish between what was important and what was urgent. What was important and what was urgent. Now, some of us are sitting there thinking to ourselves, well, what's the difference between important and urgent? Aren't they the same thing? But you see, Jesus, in this story, Simon and the disciples, they say, Jesus, there is this crowd. There's all these people waiting for you. Jesus, I can almost hear the urgency in Simon's voice. He's like, Jesus, we have to go. But Jesus is in private. And the way that the Bible uh, describes it, the way that the language is originally written, it tells us that Jesus had been there for hours. He'd been there for hours praying, but he was also there intentionally. He knew the crowds were forming. He knew that people wanted him, but Jesus was there intentionally in private. Because as urgent as the people were, as much as, as everyone was surrounding him, Jesus knew the difference between important and urgent. Friends, we're talking about how to be successful in, life, in our lives. And the beauty of Jesus is Jesus wants us to succeed not in the spiritual only, but also in our personal lives, in our business lives, in our family lives, in our relational lives. And I believe this. One of the reasons that so many of us fail in life is because we have not been able to distinguish between important and urgent. 
Because here's the thing, friends. Our life is filled with the urgent. Our life is filled with busyness. This, this church, I know, it's filled with students. It's filled with working people. We're filled with people that are busy, 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 busy. Things are urgent. I have a test. I have a meeting. I have an appointment. And what happens is we neglect the important for the urgent. We neglect the important for the urgent. I, I, I met a guy a few years ago, and uh, he, he had a schedule. He had a day timer. Um, it was in his phone. And uh, he showed me his schedule one day, and literally his whole schedule was packed like every second of every day. And I was like, I don't care who you are. I was like, no one is that busy. I was like, let me see your schedule. And uh, so I started scrolling through his schedule. And it was really interesting. In his schedule, he like literally scheduled everything. So like at 7 a.m., it's like prayer. At 8 a.m., like studying my Bible. Then it was like my, my daily appointments he had in there, whatever he was doing. Then in the evening, it was like dinner with my wife. And I was like, you can't schedule dinner with your wife. I was like, that's not even a real, a real thing. <laughs> and I was, I just, it didn't make sense to me that he was scheduling everything. And, and that was in my formative years. Uh, a lot of times, like, you guys will realize this in life. You'll hear the same thing uh, for a lot of times, but then one day I'll finally click. Um, I was listening to something a little while ago, and uh, he was essentially saying the same thing. Um, and he was saying, in life, you said schedule everything. Because here's the problem, friends, in life. No one is too busy. No one does not have time. You see, our problem in life is that we just don't know how to prioritize. That's our problem. It's not that our schedule is too full. You guys like, Harrison, you don't know. No, I know. It's, it's our priorities. You see, and, and the thing with scheduling, what this, this thing without, that I was listening to was saying, the reason that we schedule is because when you schedule something, that immediately gives it importance. The problem in our life is that we have been scheduling things that aren't necessarily the most important. We'll schedule every meeting, every class, all of our homework, whatever it may be. And, and understand this. This is the thing to understand. Urgent is not bad. Life is filled with the urgent. Don't think I'm saying like, y'all got to quit your jobs. Stop going. That's not what I'm saying. The problem in life is that we haven't been able to figure out how to prioritize and so what this guy was saying in his schedule and what, what they're saying is that what we need to do is we need to begin to schedule the most important things first. Well, what's the most important thing? What is most important? For Jesus, the most important thing in his life above all, above connecting with people, above serving people, it was connecting first with God. I don't think Jesus had a daytimer because I don't think they had daytimers in the first century. But I believe Jesus had a schedule. And every single day in his schedule, that first thing, that slot, that thing that was, un, it was non-negotiable was his time with the Lord. That was the first thing, first thing in the morning. Friends, what God wants us to do this morning is he wants us to begin to rearrange our lives. You see, the problem with us, we want success and, and preparation is a part of it. But God wants us to succeed in the things that actually matter. The things that will make an eternal difference. Well, Harrison, how do I know it will make an eternal difference? Ask yourself this question. If something was gone tomorrow and I could never have it again, how would that make me feel? And that will really help you determine what's most important in your life. Because chances are, if you have a family, you'll probably think of your family. If my kids were gone tomorrow, like what would, I couldn't even. But so many of us will neglect our families for work. 
because we think work is the most important. Work is the most urgent, but your kids are the most important. And so what God is saying to us is we need to begin to rearrange things. And so for, uh, for those of you in the rooms here, you have problems scheduling. You have problems with, with just seeing your family. Schedule it in. Don't let a day go by where you don't have it. For those of us, we cannot carve out time with God. We're like, I'm sorry, God, I got no time. When we put it in, in a schedule, when we make it a priority, when something is a priority, we begin to see things differently. Um, I, I said it this way. If it's not scheduled, it's not secured. If it's not scheduled, it's not secured. The reason so many of us will neglect a relationship with God is because it's not scheduled. So therefore, it's not secured. And so when something else comes up, well, that thing is more important because it's scheduled. You see, Jesus had a schedule, and that was how he determined what was most important. Friends, I'm going to speak to someone right now. There's people in this room, you need to begin to schedule this time at church. Some of us, like, we're here when we can get here. If I'm busy, if I'm not busy, God is saying, what is, well, what's your priority? I believe in this place, the reason we started this church is because we're going to make an eternal difference in this city. We're going to change lives forever. People in your family, because of you, your life is going to be changed forever. And so we need to begin to schedule things. We need to begin to prioritize things because there is an eternal difference that we want to make. And so we have to understand the difference between important and urgent. And when our priorities are in their proper place, I promise you this, you will find you have more time. You have more time. You will be able to do those things that you are doing. You'll be able to study. You'll be able to go to school. You'll be able to go to work. But your priorities will now be in order. You see, friends, we're reimagining our picture of Jesus. And a lot of us have this very spiritual picture of Jesus, but there's also a practical picture of Jesus. He wants us to succeed in every single aspect of our lives. And relationally, it's so important, but so many of us miss out on things because of the urgent. The crowd seemed urgent that day. For Simon, for the disciples, it was, it was urgent. It was something that they had to do, but Jesus had to show them that the important has to come before the urgent. And so he says, he says, where are you? Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, it's a funny reply. Let's go somewhere else. Like, Jesus, there's a bunch of people here for you. He's like, let's roll. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why. Someone say why. That is why I have come. It's interesting. There's this crowd of people. And for most of us, and Jesus had this humanity to him, we love the crowd. Right? It's there. It's, it's around us. It's urgent. We love things that are in our face. But you see, Jesus had a bigger picture. And so that's why he's like, let's go somewhere else. You see, Jesus' mission in life was not to create large crowds. It wasn't to gather a dense group of people in one place. Jesus had a message that he wanted to spread. He had a group of people that he wanted the world to know about who he was, what he has done. And so what Jesus does is Jesus knows his mission. Some of us are asking ourselves, well, I don't know how to prioritize my life. I don't know what I should be putting my preparation into. Jesus says, that is why I have come. Friends, what we need to do in our lives is we need to figure out what is my why. What's the most important thing in my life? What do I want my legacy to be? What do I want to leave behind? Because when you know that, you will know what is most important. 
If you're saying, I want to be the best at my job ever, and that's all that matters, and if that's you, that's you. That's where your, your time will be. That's where your life will be. That's where your heart will be. But maybe for some of us this morning, God is saying to you, I, I have a different plan. I want people to know from your life that your family was the most important thing that nothing else really mattered, and, and everything came second to them. For some of us, God is rearranging us completely, and, and he's saying we need to get our priorities in order. We need to make him the number one thing in our life. We need to make him our mission. Because when we say my mission in life, and, and this is my personal mission, I want to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. Because nothing is better, nothing else gives me satisfaction, and nothing else makes an eternal difference like that does in my life. And so what that means, and once it helps me do, it helps me rearrange my priorities. It helps me rearrange my life. That is why I have come. You see, friends, when we know what our mission is, we'll begin to determine what our methods will be. Your mission will always determine your methods. If you don't have a mission, you won't have the proper methods. And this is for anything in life. I just want to invite the worship team up here. We're going to close really quickly here. You see, so many of us, friends, we have a whole bunch of different things we would like to do, different places we would like to go, different statuses we would like to achieve. But the question that God is asking us today is, what is your mission? What, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want your eternal difference to be? Jesus says, that is why I have come, to go out to spread the message. Friends, when we know what our mission is, our methods will change we'll be able to put in the proper preparation. We'll begin to spend more time on what is actually important instead of what is urgent. And everything will change. Everything will change. I, I, I told us, ask the question, like if something was gone, another way to think of it is like if someone were to know you for one thing, what would you want that to be? What would you want that legacy? What would you want that last thing to be? I heard a story uh, from, a, from a pastor and he was, he was talking about how his life is super busy and uh, he, he just told the story about um, how things were so busy and his son had a baseball game and uh, it, was, it, was this, it, was the, it was the final it was a championship game but he also had a ton of meetings a ton of things that he had to go to and so he had this debate he's like what's more important the meeting or the baseball game what, what's going to make the biggest difference and so how the story ends up he ended up going to his son's baseball game the championship game, and uh, he was telling everyone after, he says, the reason I did that, he's like, the reason I did that is because if I would have missed his game, he's like, it wouldn't have really affected anyone else. He's like, but if I would have missed his game, that is something that he would remember forever, that this was more important than the game, than my son. And so friends, in your life, and I know a lot of us, we don't all have kids, but God is asking you, like, Inla, what do you want your legacy to be? If you want everyone to know that you were the busiest person in the world, you were so busy, you had no time, that's fine. But I think that God has a bigger mission for our lives, in our families, but in this church. And I think God wants your legacy to be that you were someone that was so dedicated to God that you would do anything that it took. That you would do whatever it takes. And friends, when we know what our mission is, God is asking you this morning, what is your mission in life? When you know what that mission is, your methods will begin to change. Your methods will begin to change.
Hey, thank you so much for listening. We hope that message inspired and encouraged you. If you would like any information on anything else, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and you will find everything you need and more. We'll see you next time.